you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. Now here's this week's message. Good morning, Compassion. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Turn, turn to your neighbor and say, it's cold outside. Amen. I don't think you had to tell your neighbor that. They already knew, didn't they? Amen. We're so glad to have you at Compassion Church. So glad to have you in the house of the Lord. As I say every Sunday, you're not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. It is God's desire to speak something in your life today. Amen. Do you believe that? I want you to do me a favor. You see this card. It's in your seat. It's got a place on there for five names. On the 16th and 17th of December, we'll be having our Christmas program, Christmas at Compassion. And it is going to be so good and so exciting. You don't want to miss it. But the greatest part is not going to be the drama itself. The greatest part is that you have the opportunity to invite someone you know that doesn't know Jesus, that, that doesn't go to church, to invite them to come and to be a part of this Christmas service. This promise I make you. If you'll get them here, I will tell them about Jesus. If you get them here, I'll tell them about the love and the grace of God Almighty. If you get them here, it is our prayer, I hope, that before they leave, they'll come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So do me a favor. Invite someone to come. You've got less than a month now. It's time to get going. Amen. Who are you going to invite? I say this every time. Don't invite someone that already goes to another church. I don't want them. Amen. They got a church. Not as good as your church, but they got a church. Right? I want you to invite someone that you know doesn't go to church, that doesn't know Jesus. Just get them here and let us tell them about the love of Christ Jesus. Amen. I want to tell you a story. A father one day is sitting with his son and his son says, Dad, can we go to McDonald's? His dad said, yes. So they jumped in the car and they drove to McDonald's. They went through the drive through and, well, Dad got his son super-sized McDonald's French fries. Oh, God. Sounds so good right now. Oh. They get the fries, and they start driving down the road, and all of a sudden, Dad reaches over and grabs a French fry from his son, and he takes it, puts it in his mouth, and he eats, and he smiles. And his son got mad. Anybody ever do that? Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I may like you, but I don't share food. And if you ever reach over while I'm eating and grab a French fry off my plate, you're probably going to lose a finger. He gets mad at his dad and he said, you can't do that, dad. It's 
my French fry. Yeah. The dad looks at his son and these thoughts begin to pop in his mind. And Well, the, the, the first thought that popped in his mind was, uh, I'm the source of that French fry. I'm the source of that French fry. The second thing is he doesn't realize that, well, that son would never have gotten that French fry if it hadn't been for dad taking him there. The third thing was as well, dad didn't really need that French fry. Dad could have bought as many French fries as he wanted. He was just sharing what his son had. I thought about that story. How instead of the son getting mad, he should have been grateful that he had any french fries at all. I'll never forget years ago when I heard this story. It reminded me of a story. When I was 14 years old, we'd gone, my dad was preaching a revival. And my dad, this is back when I used to like Dr. Pepper. I can't stand Dr. Pepper now. Shut up. I ask y'all. I do that, don't I, honey? I, I'll drink drinks for a long time, and I drink so much I get tired of it, and I got to move on to the next thing. But I'll never forget my dad. I asked him if I could have some change to buy me a Dr. Pepper, and I went and bought me a Dr. Pepper. And my, we were walking around after my dad had preached, and I'm sitting there drinking my Dr. Pepper. And when I came down, my dad said he grabbed it from me to take a drink himself, and. He took a drink, and he kept drinking, and he kept drinking. And Well, I reached in. <laughs> Stupid mistake. I reached in and grabbed that drink and yanked it out of my dad's hand. And for some reason, at the age of 14 years old, I thought I was grown. At the age of 14 years old, my dad slapped me across the face. No lie, he goes, Wow! Take it back, Dad. I understand why my dad got so upset because one is, it really wasn't my drink to begin with. It was his. And two, he had access to that drink all he wanted to because he bought it. And third is, is yes, he could have bought his own drink, but he didn't because he could drink some of mine. I tell you that story today. For the last few weeks, we've been talking about generosity and giving. We've been talking about finances. The first week we talked to you about, well, generosity, and that talks about the heart. That as believers in Christ Jesus, we've got to learn to be a generous people. And I'm not just talking about money or finances. We've got to learn to be generous with our time, with our love, with our grace and our mercy. It's a heart issue. If you can't be generous, then you're not a reflection of Christ Jesus. The next thing we talked about was the tithe. That, that word there, tithe, really is, it means tenth, but really what it means to us is if generosity means heart, tithe means obedience. That the Bible says God desires, well, obedience over sacrifice. That we're called to be obedient to what God says do. If we do, we can be rested assured if we will be obedient to God's word, God will take care of us. Amen. We also talked about the first fruit. What does that mean? 
trust. Trust. That as you give unto God your first fruits, trusting and believing that God will take care of you. Today I want to talk to you about gratitude. See, at the end of the day, if you're generous, if you're obedient, and you trust God, but you don't have a heart of gratitude, you don't get it. You don't understand what God's doing. In fact, I want you to look with me today in a passage out of 2 Samuel chapter 23, beginning with verse 13. It said, during harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam. While a band of Philistines were encamped in the valley of Rephim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrisons was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the, from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. Lord, we thank you for the word that we're about to receive. God, I pray that every heart and every mind to be open to receive, God, what you've got in store. And, Lord, I pray today that, Lord, not one, not one would leave this house the same way that they came, but be blessed by your word and your presence. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We, we find here in 2 Samuel, in fact, you'll find this also over in 1 Chronicles chapter 11. And we, we find here in this verse that what happens is the, the Philistines have kind of fortified. And, and what happened is David finds himself back in the cave of Adullam. We first find David in the cave of Adullam back in 1 Samuel chapter 22. He is there trying to hide from Saul and all the discredited, all the criminals, all those that no one liked or wanted. They find themselves surrounding David. And now years later, those same men that came to David, discredited criminals, nobody wanted, they now have become mighty warriors and they're with David in the cave. We know there's probably about 400 that is there, but yet here we hear the story of what we call the 30. The 30 mighty warriors. Now, it's funny we say the 30. If you go look here in, in, in verse 23, or chapter 23, go over to Chronicles, you'll find out that actually there was probably around 37. But they call them the 30, and we think maybe because they kind of switched in and out. But also within the 30, we'll find what we call groups of threes. Groups of threes. 
We don't know if that's how they, they did it or why they did it, but that's how it was. And we find here first it begins to talk about three men, and, and I would talk about them more today, but I just can't say their names to be honest with you. They're big words. And those three mighty men, and then we hear of another three, and then another three. Now, as we study, we think most likely the second group of three who would be the ones who would hear the words of David and his desire to drink water from the well of Bethlehem, we think most likely they're the first three. Some theologians think they're the second three. But they're these three mighty warriors. When I say mighty, they don't play. In fact, one of them we know killed eight hundred men in one day. Another guy killed 300 in one day. Sounds a little bit like your pastor. Now what happens is David is there and well there, there are some stories that say that the water that would have been in Adullam would have been water they would have left there. And they say the water was so bad that when you would drink the water, you would have to close your teeth. And the reason why you would have to close your teeth is because there were bugs and pestilites in the water and you would use your teeth to filter the water. Yummy. But that's really not why David was longing for the water from the well of Bethlehem. When he was doing it, what he was really doing is reminiscing. Thinking how he wants to be back there and how he can't be there because of the Philistines. And I don't think, David, have you ever said something out loud and you didn't mean to? You've all done it. You've all said something. In fact, I've done, have you, I've done that before. I said something and somebody goes, what did you say? And I went, oh, did I say that out loud? Oh, I didn't mean to. And I believe David is there and he's, he's surrounded by these men, but he, he's wanting to be near Bethlehem and he's, he's there. He looks out and all of a sudden without thinking, he goes, oh, if I could just have a drink from the well of Bethlehem. And three of these mighty warriors, all of a sudden, you know what they do? They leave the camp, they leave the cave, and they make their way. And the Bible says that they break through the line of the Philistines. They go to the well and draw water. And the image I have is they're drawing water. Two of them are fighting the Philistines off while the other one is filling up the jar or the bucket or the, or the skin with water. Two of them are fighting them off. They finally get the water and without trying to spill it, and I don't know if this is biblically correct, but I see one hand has a sword, the other hand has water, and he's like, oh, 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 oh. Should I do that one more time? I can't. I'm too tired after that time. I need some water. I thought somebody would run out and give me some. I don't near, have near the influence David does. Then they had to break back through the line. And I can see it. They come back with smiles on their faces. 
proud of themselves, so excited, and they come over, and they got water in hand, and they hand it to David, and they're like, and David goes, oh, I'd have been so mad. See, in the story, and you're probably wondering how I, I tie this into to gratitude today. These men love their king. These men respected their king. These three men were so grateful for what the king had done. Remember, most of these men had been in the cave back in 1 Samuel 22, and nobody cared about them. Nobody wanted them. They thought they were discredited, disqualified. They were criminals. But David took them in. The king loved them. And they were so grateful and had such gratitude that they were willing to risk their lives just to get some water for the king. Here's a question I have for you today. How far will your gratitude take you to serve the king? How far will your gratitude take you to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords? What are you willing to do? I want you to write this down, number one. Your attitude will become a reflection of your gratitude. Have you ever been around somebody that just ain't happy? Look at your neighbor and smile. Say, I'm talking about you. We, we, we've all met that person that they're, they're negative Nancys or negative Neds. Cry baby Chris's. Complaining Kathy's. Woo. Don't get up and leave, Kathy. Oh, my God, you're not Kathy, are you? <laughs> She's, I'm done. Offended horses, I don't know. I actually do a guy named Orse, and that's his name. Oprah, offended Oprahs. <sighs> See, you have to understand that at this moment, they understand the risk, but they've got this attitude. In fact, can, can I tell you, I, I don't know if I'm completely biblically correct, but I, I see this in my mind when I read this passage, that when, when King David goes, oh, that if I could drink from the well at Bethlehem, I could almost see the three men look at each other and smile and say, let's go, come on, come on, let's go. They have such a heart of gratitude that it comes out in what they do and how they act. Listen, let me say this. If Jesus never does another thing in your life, you should be grateful that he died on a cross for you, that through the shedding of his blood, you got forgiveness of sins. Amen. That gratitude alone should make you smile. Oh, 
if I could just get some of you to start smiling. If, if some of you would just tell your face that you're a Christian. It don't know. It hadn't heard. I'm one of the, ask my wife, I'm just one of the, I smile all the time. That's just me. I walk, and I know sometimes it can be a little creepy. Because I'll walk through the mall or I walk, and I just can't help myself. We went to New York City one time, and we're walking down the streets of New York City. I'm like, and you should have seen the people in New York City. They're like, who are you looking at? Anybody from New York City in here? Right there. Okay, yes. You know what I'm talking about right there. Just go walk by them today. You understand what I'm saying? See, a gratitude of a believer should become your attitude as a believer. Thank you, God, for what you've done in my life. See, I just can't get that image out of my mind of these three men looking at each other and going, let's go get that man some water. See, your attitude should be, God, what you want, what you need. For what you've done for me, I'm willing to do anything for you. Number two, write this down. Your aptitude will be stretched by your gratitude. Your aptitude, well, Pastor, what is my aptitude? Your aptitude is your natural abilities. It's the way you're born. It's who you are. Can I share something with you this morning? You need to hear this. You are already born selfish. This saying that we're born innocent, you're not born innocent. You're born in sin. Our aptitude is what we want. Don't believe me, hang around a baby for a few minutes. We had my little grandbaby with me last night. I love her. She's better than all your grandkids. Shut up. But she was a little hungry, wasn't she? And she's hungry, she's eating, and if you don't feed her fast enough, she goes, oh. She does, she goes, oh. And last night we're trying to feed her, we just couldn't feed her fast enough, and she goes, oh. Then I just slapped her off the table. <laughs> no, because if that would have happened, she would have slapped me out of my chair. See, this idea that we're born innocent, we're not born innocent, we're born into sin, we're born into selfishness, we're born into what we want. But see, what gratitude will do, see, at that moment, when those three men looked at each other, they had to make a decision. Are we willing to risk our lives to show the gratitude to the king? Yes, they were. They were willing to risk their own lives just to give the king some water because of all the king had done for them. What are you willing to do for the king? And see, every time you're willing to show your gratitude to the king, every time it will stretch you, and it will stretch you, and it will stretch you, and it will make you more and more of who God wants you to be. Remember the French fry story? You know why the father took the French fry? He could have gone and bought him a whole bunch of french fries. 
My dad would do that all the time. My dad would, would take food off my plate. We'd be somewhere. To this day, my wife does. We go somewhere. My wife, I will order something. I'll say, what do you want, baby? She goes, I don't want anything. She's lying. Because as soon as I get it and I'm holding it, guess what she does? I'll just have one or two of yours. Lie again. So I've got now where we go to the place, I'm like, just order something. But I know what's really going on. She just wants to see if I love her enough to let her have a french fry. That's all it is. <laughs> I'm not. I don't. See, God doesn't need your french fry. God wants to see if you will stretch yourself to be generous, not just in your finances, but with your time, with your love, with your grace. Hey, can I say this? Dare I say it? With your forgiveness. Some of you, I'm just going to speak. Some of you, someone's hurt you and you hadn't talked to them in years. You act as if you never hurt somebody yourself. Be willing to be grateful with your forgiveness because somebody was grateful to give you forgiveness. I've got to hurry. Number three, your attitude, I mean your altitude will be determined by the level of your gratitude. Let me say that again as I'm closing. Your altitude will be determined by your level of gratitude. Until you become a people of gratitude, God will never raise you to the next level in your life. All these years later, we're still talking about these three men. See, gratitude will require you to risk something. Gratitude will require you to sacrifice something. But see, also what gratitude will do, it'll take you to a higher level, to the next level. See, gratitude would take you to places you could have never gone on your own. But because you were grateful and showed gratitude, God is able to take you to another level. See, for that last month, We've been talking about finances. This last month, we've been talking about generosity and giving. But can I share something with you today? It's the starting point. See, the reason why God, in fact, I told you at the beginning of this series that over 2,350 times in the Bible, God talks about money more than any other subject in the Bible. 
more than prayer and faith combined. Why? Because God knows what you'll struggle with. See, God knows if He can get you started somewhere being grateful, then gratitude will follow in other areas of your life. See, there's levels that God wants to take you. And can I say this? You even have to be grateful for the things that you don't think you should be grateful for. That person at work right now that is driving you crazy. Some of you laughing because you, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Go ahead, call them by name. Don't do it. What you don't know is God is using that person to raise you to another level because you don't react, because you don't fuss, because you don't get mad, because you forgive them and show them grace. God can take you to another level. See, some of the things in your life, listen, it was this church. Remember, you all blessed me one time with a car. For years, I thought it was because you loved me. It wasn't. I drove around in a 1972 500 Shades of White pickup truck. It was embarrassing for y'all. I actually thought y'all loved me. You were embarrassed to see me around town. I broke down all the time, didn't I, David? All the, I go to stoplight stop all the time. I had to rev it up because it almost dialed me. Everybody thought I was trying to race them. I'm like, I'm just trying to keep it going. Not trying to race you, Granny. I'm just trying to keep it going. I'll never forget one day pulled it up. There was two people standing outside on the porch, and I pulled up in my pickup truck. They went inside. It literally was a, a person in the church and a new person. And I could see when I pulled up, the person goes, But I thank God for that truck because it sure makes me appreciate what I got now. The Bible says it this way, never despise the day of small beginnings because they teach you gratitude. See, the reason why we do this every year, just one time a year, I'll talk about money just one time because my prayers and my hopes is that you will learn as a congregation, as a people, that if you'll ever start showing gratitude with your finances, it'll open the door for you to show gratitude with your forgiveness, with your love, with your grace, with your kindness. I want you to bow your head. Close your eyes. If you've been struggling with gratitude in your life, you haven't been very grateful, and, and maybe today you have a reason not to be grateful. But you know, even the things in your life that you don't think deserve your gratitude, they do. 
So if you're here today and say, Pastor, I know I need to be more grateful. I want you to raise your hand right now. Yes. Yes. Lord, I pray for every hand that is raised. God, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus Christ today that, Lord, they will learn to be grateful. Bless them financially. Bless them, Lord, with their forgiveness. Bless them with grace and kindness. That, Lord, as they start to show gratitude in all of these areas, I pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, you would take them to new altitudes. That, Lord, you would stretch their aptitude. And, God, you would change their attitude. Let us become a grateful people. I want you to look at me real quick. We put these in your chair. I do this every year, and I think people think I'm <clears throat> trying to play a trick, trying to do a gimmick. I believe so much in tithing and giving that I do this every year, and here's what I do. I want you to make a commitment to tie to this church for three months. And here's how much I believe in God blessing your life if you do. If you'll be faithful with your giving for three months and God doesn't bless you, I'll give you your money back. What? Pastor, have you lost your mind? No. See, I'm never trying to get something from you. I'm trying to get something to you. I was walking out of the mall with my youngest daughter. She just got paid. It popped into her account. She goes, oh, woo. She says, now, Dad, before taxes are after, how do I pay my tithes? And it warmed my heart. That my 19-year-old girl had learned from her mom and dad that she pays her tithes. Because if she will, God will bless her. And I said, baby, people differ, but my belief is this. I believe in the first fruits. So I believe you pay before. And I think God will bless you all the more. She said, all right, I'll pay my tithes. This is not a gimmick of me trying to get your money. Let me say this. No matter what, God's going to take care of this church. But I can tell you time after time, of people that have started tithing and how God has blessed their life. So if you believe in this, fill it out. At the end of service, bring it down and put it to this altar. And say, God, I'm going to try it. I'm going to test you. In fact, this is the only place in the Bible where you find that God says, test me. Test me. And that's what we're doing today. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes one more time. Here's the last question I have for you today. 
Do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? If you were to die today, do you know with all certainty that you're on your way to heaven? In 1 John, it says, it is written that you may know you have eternal life. All you have to do to be saved today is admit that you're a sinner in need of God's grace and wonderful love. Believe that he's a son of the living God, died on a cross for you, rose on the third day. And with your mouth confess him, Lord of your life, and you shall be saved. Nowhere did you hear me say you had to become perfect or go fix your past or even say you would stop making mistakes. All you have to do to be saved today is admit that you're a sinner and you need God's love. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you like to invite Jesus Christ into your heart, into your life, then I just want you to slip up your hand right now. Is there anybody? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I've had two raise their hand. Will you give God praise? I want all of you, not just the two that raise their hand, but I want all of you to say this prayer with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. As two new names have been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Say, Dear Jesus, I invite you to my heart and into my life. Forgive me of all my sins and all my ways. I repent and I come to you and ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life forever and ever Amen. Give God praise today. We are so happy that you joined us today. Here at Compassion, we value family, which means we value you. If there's any way that we can be praying for you and believing with you for something, please make sure that you let us know. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you here next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc.